listening to The Bloodsucking Feminists, your number one Kiwi Scottish podcast focused on the three Fs, fangs, feminism, and fangirling. I'm Catherine. And I'm Keely. And you're listening to episode 29, Total Eclipse of the Plot, or Eclipse by Stephanie Meyer, and also Eclipse the Movie, directed by David Slade. Christ, fuck this book. (laughs) Yep, episode done. Screw this book. We're out of here. We'll go off to read some other vampire books with like Blackjack and Hookers. <laughs> uh, forget the vampire books. See, I didn't remember this book being quite so interminable. Because like yeah. Twilight has its charms. Like you can understand the the melodramatic gothic romance feverish intensity of Twilight. New Moon is a mess, but it's at least like an unintentionally hilarious mess. And at least when it establishes Jacob, it's, you know, you could understand why people like Jacob. By the time we get to Eclipse, the whole thing reeks of contractual obligation, but also just not the story Stephanie Meyer wanted to tell. And it isn't the story she wanted to tell. And remember, when she originally wrote Twilight, she then wrote her own sequel to it called Forever Dawn, which was basically Breaking Dawn, um, but marginally less horrifying. So this entire book is part of the free book contract, and it's not the ending she wants to write, so she doesn't write the ending, and then she sort of harangues them. Well, I don't think she really had to harangue them into giving her a fourth book contract. They were pretty happy to make money off of her. <laughs> but I think you can tell a lot about the problem with this book by going onto the Wikipedia page. This book is 629 pages long. The Wikipedia plot summary is three paragraphs in one line. There, This <laughs> is, you know, a cup of plot and a ten-gallon hat. This is a terrible book about terrible people. It's so terrible. Like, it's not okay. Not a case of, okay, there's a lot of shitty stuff in this book, but hey, I really like these characters and I, I totally ship this couple. Nor is it, this is an amazing book about terrible people. No, it is the terrible book about terrible people. Anyone who was likable in previous books is not. I mean, it starts off with the infantilization of Charlie. Seriously, a man who's lived on his own without anyone else in his house for, what, 17 years? Surely he knows how to use a microwave by now. If there's one thing the the rough bachelor dork of a dad knows how to do, it's how to heat up his microwave dinner. And yet he's apparently still putting metal in the microwave and not knowing why that's a bad thing. And that goes down from there. Seriously, it's like Stephanie Meyer hated everybody in this in this book. That's because it's such a weirdly spiteful read. Like the just the malice running off the page for half these characters. Even almost for Bella, who's clearly the absolute center of this universe slash possible self insert. Um. Possible? I'm trying to be a little ambiguous here. I mean, so Stephanie Meyer claims the book was inspired and influenced by Wuthering Heights, a book she doesn't actually like. Um, and there's a bit in the book as well where Edward basically has the same opinions about um, Wuthering Heights as she has. Um, Wuthering Heights is a tough read. It is exceedingly dark and full of immensely unlikable characters. But it's also a book that wholeheartedly acknowledges that all of the people in it are terrible. 
Eclipse doesn't do that. I think on some level, Stephanie Meyer genuinely believes that she's writing these dense, complex, gothic-inspired uh, characters. And really, what she's just writing is a I bunch don't of even assholes. Know what it is? Like it's. I mean, spite. Once again, as I just said, I think what she's also writing is an a publisher, you know, obligation. This this series has never been a love triangle series. Like not even close. Jacob is named after her brother. So weird. So weird. But there's no genuine like you never for one minute believe oh, there's actually a possibility Bella's going to end up with Jacob. In an abstract sense, you can see it because frankly, it's a more sensible choice in theory than picking the hundred and something year old man who constantly talks about wanting to kill and eat you. Like at least Hannibal Lecter takes you out to fucking dinner first. But no. And by God, that would be an amazing dinner. Oh yeah, right up until the part where he kills and eats you, it would be amazing. I uh-huh. thought about this. And then even then, you'd probably be like, actually, yeah, for a dinner this nice, I will totally put out my pound. Oh, of you're fish. right. I would go a bit our use as a flambe. Thank you, Hannibal. <laughs> It's like, oh my god, you're using that as a source? That's amazing! Yeah, <laughs> take some! But that's the thing, is... It's not just that Stephanie Meyer clearly doesn't want to be writing a love triangle despite maybe demands from the publisher or whatever, but it's that she is going out of her way in the context of the, the world of the book to make Jacob a completely unfeasible option for Bella right up to the point where suddenly they kiss. She basically is kind of forced to kiss him and then she's like, oh actually uh, uh, and it's like okay, now you're just being fucking greedy. Yeah. For the most of this, this isn't a love triangle. It's a couple and a dude who's been girlfriend zoning the main, ca- the female half of that couple. I mean, he's been treating her like That's literally shit. their entire relationship. Like, making all the ones about it. Yeah. But Jacob is awful in this book. Yeah, he's like, you know, one fedora away from my lady. <laughs> and he would still be running around in his shorts and a fedora. I will say, in the film, I do love the point where Edward just goes, does this man not own a shirt? It's like, oh, look, you're funny in this film. <laughs> I have to say, when Edward has, a, when Edward, Edward is allowed to have a sense of humor, I giggle because actually I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally there. Because you can sense there. like the relief coming off of Robert Pattinson that he gets to play someone like that actually has a sense of humor, and he's not just sitting there thinking, "I'm an ex murderer, I'm an ex murderer, I'm an ex murderer," <laughs> to get out his lines. I'm an actual complex character with thoughts and feelings. But that's the thing is, there's no. I don't know if you can make the case in this book that there's anyone has necessarily complex feelings. I think Stephanie Meyer considers it complex for them to just stand up and scream their emotions. <laughs> Which also, they don't do in Wuthering Heights. I'm just imagining characters in Wuthering Heights like doing a Super Saiyan scream now. That's amazing. <laughs> um, completely off track. But uh, there's a few that touch on it. I think Rosalie is one of the closest... I think that's in completely unintentional, Rosalie's complexity. Uh, we get to see a bit more of Jasper's complexity as he enters the 
the Stephanie Myers sphere of I vaguely noticed this character, so I'm going to write them pretty well, but that's totally an accident. They haven't got enough attention on them to ruin yet. Jacob was previously in that sphere. That's also something Stephanie Meyer has admitted to basically being too lazy to do research. I mean, the reason that you, like, all of the outside <laughs> characters, like the Hale and Cullen clan, actually have really interesting stories, but in order to fully realize them, she would need to do research, and she doesn't give a fuck about that, which I almost respect. Like, I almost respect that as, like, well, good on you. But then you look at something like... I mean, let's get into Rosalie, I think, is a really good starting point for that. Because Rosalie has a really interesting backstory, but it is built on the most regressive stuff. And I don't think she understands... Like, I genuinely buy that Stephanie Meyer hasn't had enough exposure to pop culture to understand what she is selling on that front. Yeah, I don't think she's watched things like Kill Bill or any other rape-revenge fantasy work. Oh yeah, I mean, it's in the same way that, like, obviously we'll wait till next year to do this, but in Breaking Dawn, the entire, like, parasitic childbirth scene is basically a Clive Barker book. But because Stephanie Meyer doesn't watch R-rated movies, and her ultimate dream is to sell this sort of, like, you know, bed-shaking, sexy, heteronormativity, you don't get any of that. With Rosalie, we basically have, you know, I spit on your grave with vampires. Which, wow, this is still a book for teenagers. And also, that could be very interesting. But she doesn't give a fuck about Rosalie. So, And hence, Rosalie's awesome being completely unintentional. Which is a shame, because when I was reading the whole thing, I'm like, look, here is an actual person who actually has thoughts and feelings on the matter beyond yay, another sparkly sister. Which also Breaking Dawn totally ruins later on, but because that, that's one of the things that defines the world of Twilight, is, is heteronormativity. Everyone in these books is either looking desperately for romance or is obsessively clinging to the romance that they have. Mostly, it seems, for the sex, to be honest. Which makes the whole future Nessa Rose... What's her name? No, Renesmee. Nessa Rose is from something else. Wicked. Uh, but, like, that, that whole shit... Yes, that's it. But it makes that whole thing even more insidious, in retrospect. Um, because Rosalie doesn't have a motivation beyond I never got to have babies and I hate the woman with a working womb. Who would want to get rid of that? It's like... Stephanie Meyer starts thinking of something and then just totters off to go back to her main romance. We see this so many times. The whole, like the whole vampire war across Mexico and the southern US. Holy crap, I would totally read that massive book if it was written by somebody else. I just I kind of wish that she'd just written the book that she clearly wanted to write. And then I realised that the thing that she wanted to write was Breaking Dawn. I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> so it's fascinating to me that <clears throat> that currently Stephanie Meyer is now a thriller writer. Although not a very good one, from what our friend told us. Uh, Jean read the book, didn't she? Oh. Uh, I think so. Oh, probably. Because she... Cause, yeah, because I know she has opinions on Twilight. Mostly that Leah's awesome. Fuck everyone else. Which is honestly... A very accurate reading of the whole situation. Lee is awesome. 
But honestly, if this is like her her first work and her desire, you know, her great dream, honestly, God help us all with the rest of the stuff that comes along. Especially if she's writing something, you know, adult and dark and sexy and violent and full of spy stuff. Because any sort of idea of Stephanie Meyer writing something like James Bond is just kind of ridiculous. Well, that's one of the things that's really fascinating is she's talked about being a fan of like the Bourne series and stuff. I know we're getting off tangent of it, but I think that the point is one of the things that so heavily defines the Twilight series is Stephanie Meyer's refusal to actually put any of her characters in peril. I mean, someone dies in this book, but it's someone who's just been introduced who then gets her spin-off, and you realise, do you actually care about this character at all? Okay. Brie is the other example, one of the other examples of a brilliant idea Stephanie Meyer just fucking tosses out by the wayside. Imagine if most of New Moon had been cut, right? And th- this was sort of the second book of the, of the trilogy. Or maybe the second book of a quartet. And then it's ended with little Brie joining the Cullens and Bella has to see firsthand how terrible, how horrible, how much of a struggle that first year of being a vampire is. Because right now, you know, the worst she sees is Jasper, who's been doing this for a freaking long time. Yes, it's hard for him, but he can still go out and do regular things. He does have to restrain himself sometimes, but He's okay for the most part. Bree is not. Bree is Bella's immediate future. Presuming, you know, that Stephanie Meyer allowed her characters to suffer and actually have to deal with bad issues. Not suddenly, I'm perfect, I can totally do this, whatever. I mean, we anyone who's ever read fan familiar with this. Like, everyone has read that one fan fiction that starts out like, has really interesting potential but as it gets more followers and as it gets more people interested in it the author starts to get too attached and like I know that we talk about Twilight as fan fiction a lot which is interesting because we, it's also another element of pop culture that, that Stephanie Meyer was never exposed to until she got famous but it's just interesting the way that that kind of unfolds because, like, say what you want about the Harry Potter series, but J.K. Rowling has no qualms about, like, killing the fuck out of people. <laughs> Who else haven't I killed yet? Oh, you. So that's why I'm curious to read The Chemist, just because I am interested to see if she's capable of killing anyone off. Usually I read the Wikipedia page, but this one doesn't have a Wikipedia page, which tells you how interested people are in Stephanie Meyer, the thriller writer. Sorry, Steph. Honestly, she should have gone and written that damn mermaid book. People would care about that. I don't think she really cares about writing YA anymore. I think she's much more interested in being a producer, which, you know, good on her. Of what I am still kind of hoping that she has one final book in her just that's basically like a massive slam on E.L. James. Yeah. Well, it's not just Rosalie who has this problem. I mean, we get more of Alice. who I actually, like, I understand Alice is a bit of a fan favourite. I've always hated Alice. Because, like, talking about infantilizing the way that she's always treated Bella as just a dress-up doll is so insulting. It would be one thing if Bella or whoever, you know, whoever took Bella's place in this position, in this story, was like, you know, like Alice, who loved fashion, who loved dressing up, 
or at least someone who took an interest in the idea, someone who was like, look, I've not been really, I'm not really much of a fashion person because I've never felt confident or skilled enough to actually go out and make myself an outfit. Please, Alice, help me. You know, if it was that sort of almost a, a sister relationship, mentor-mentee relationship, that would be an actual relationship between them rather than just, I saw you getting, I saw you boning my brother in the future. Don't worry, he's not really my brother. <laughs> It just makes all those images of Stephanie Meyer like watching that wedding scene get even funnier. But that's about it. I question a lot of people people's fashion choices, including my own. Oh, I never question my fashion choices. I look amazing all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, where do you buy your dresses <laughs> from anyway? Probably. No, I um. If anyone nods to know, I buy my dresses from Lindy Pop. Uh, I really don't care about the men in this text. Like, I don't care about Jasper. I don't care about what's his face, the the the, the bro. Emmett. That's it. Sorry, I don't care about them. Um, I I actually think that Edward is almost almost sympathetic in this book, <laughs> just because. Okay, first of all, he spends a lot less time talking about wanting to kill and, and eating his girlfriend. Which is progress. I respect that. Progress, indeed. But he's also caught in this really strange quandary, which is my girlfriend thinks that she's getting too decrepit for me and wants me to fuck her, which could possibly kill her because, like, let's get into that whole message. But also, she's too afraid of because of the commitment of marriage. Immortality is cool, but she doesn't want to get married. That's too far. She wants to be with me forever, but she doesn't want to marry me. Makes sense. Yeah, it's like, she's okay with changing, forever changing the entirety of her body, her mind, because remember, it does mess with your mind and change your whole instincts and everything, and possibly her soul. But you know, a piece of paper is a bit too much. Bella, you have issues. It's not even that she really acknowledges that idea. She's like, like if she said, look, I've always felt really iffy about marriage. Just, you know, that people don't seem to take it too seriously. And my, I mean, that my parents got married and then immediately divorced. I know it's, I know it's weird, but... It's not even that. But even in like the twisted logic of of adolescence, um, and a lot of the time, like sometimes Bella's one acts like a teenager, um, and not just a self-insert for a thirty-something woman. Um, but even in the weird logic of like immortality, cool marriage, no, that doesn't make any sense to me, particularly because like Edward is like all she cares about, and not mm-hmm. just like Edward in particular, but fucking Edward. Like, go and buy a sparkly dildo already. Put it in the fridge for a couple hours. Well, as you know, they have made one. Yes, I know. I know all about that. They also made a flashlight about this. There's just a lot came out of this book that's just really scary to think about. Those underwear. (laughs) But even something like... the, The way that she constantly describes Edward... 
not just in ter- not in terms of his looks necessarily, but the physicality, the, the coldness, obviously, uh, the inexperience, the fact that he hasn't quote unquote shot off his one load. Um, <laughs> that's how she gets pregnant, guys. As that was her excuse, as her actual excuse was, he hasn't shot off his one load. It was just holding in there. Now uh, I don't mean she's got three teenage boys, right? She knows that's not how that works, right? Like it doesn't just get held in. <laughs> Nighttime dreams happen. <sighs> but she also just makes like all of that. That build up makes sex so unappealing. Like the prospect of fucking a popsicle just seems so unappealing. A popsicle who breaks the bed and you. It's just that was the thing is. Clearly, sex is the end game here, and it's ultimately the end game of, of Breaking Dawn more so than having the kid, because the kid basically will raise herself and then be, like, married off is the implication. Um, that's not really an implication. Well, she doesn't quite raise herself. Rosalie and Jacob do a good job. <laughs> but it's like I don't get how a series like this can be so obsessed with sex, but also be determined to make it seem so unappealing. And also not be that interested in the sex itself, because remember, mm-hmm. in Breaking Dawn, it cuts to black. You don't actually get to see the sex. Or the Mormon underwear. You were really hoping for the underwear, weren't you? Well, they're better than the other underwear I was thinking of, so, you know. The ones with Edward's face. Oh, fuck this book. <laughs> fuck this book, indeed. It's also fucking boring. <laughs> like, I know that's not his worst crime. There's so much worse going on here, but like, it's boring. So boring. It's boring, but it's also just like super insidious. I mean, every like, I think we need to talk about Jacob now. Just like everything that this book does to make Jacob the absolute worst, but still try and like abstractly position him as a viable member of a love triangle that she really doesn't care about. Like, what writer could make this work? A decent one, maybe? But that's the thing is, it's... They could probably give it a bit of go. I mean, they could. <laughs> they would probably at least have the self-awareness to admit that all these people are really horribly unlikable in this book. Maybe. Because Jacob in particular comes out of this as just the worst. Like blackmail the worst. Sexual assault, manipulation through threats of suicide. He's an emotional abuser. And he's basically high, literally high-fived along with it by Charlie. Which I'm really glad that the movie doesn't even, like, deal with that. Mainly because in the, in the movies, yeah. Charlie's an actual character. Yeah, well, that's always been a thing that the movies have done better. Charlie and also Renee are actual people. Like the the scene where they're in uh, Florida and Edward's hiding inside the house while Bella and her mother are outside and her mother's made a quilt for Bella to take to university made of all their really terrible uh, holiday location t-shirts. That is actual character. That's an actual relationship. That's something Stephanie Meyer forgot to write. Because remember, everyone outside of Bella and Edward 
our tools, our toys, they don't matter. They only matter if somehow their purpose right then is to matter to Bella and Edward. And I think that she sees that as an allusion to Wuthering Heights, but Wuthering Heights is pretty open about the fact that these people are terrible. But also understandably terrible. Like, you understand why Heathcliff is a terrible person. His life has basically sucked from beginning to end. So much of, like, Wuthering Heights is, you know, fascinated by the division of class and privilege. But everything in Twilight is basically, money will fix everything. You never need to worry about anything in your life because we're rich. I mean, it's never actively said out loud, but one of the really big appealing parts of Twilight for so many people is the money. Like, at least Fifty Shades of Grey has no bones about the fact that it's capitalistic fetish porn. I don't think that Stephanie Meyer entirely understands the implications of making the world of the Cullens and the Hales so defined by wealth. And it's never really explicitly said. It's clearly just a creative out. It's a way for her to not have to deal with things like like the financial implications of living forever. She doesn't care about that. She doesn't want to get into that. The financial implications of sending people to college every like decade or so as well. <laughs> and not just college. Remember, it's Ivy League college. And like none, nobody at Harvard seems to notice any of this shit. But the, the big problem with that, and obviously I would have a problem with this, is it's immensely fetishistic towards wealth in that aspect. But a huge part of the fantasy of Bella and Edward is she never has to worry about work. She never has to worry about education. She never has to worry about any of the responsibilities of adulthood because their money will solve it. I mean, the shit that happens in the first two books, like flying out to to Italy like on a whim because of a really shitty prophecy, which still doesn't make any sense. Oh no, there's a sparkly man in the middle of Italy. He's clearly a vampire, said nobody. These vampires' carbon footprint is bonkers. Oh, I also hate this idea that that, that Bella Swan is some sort of genius because she reads books. Oh, you've read Pride and Prejudice. How thrilling for you. You read the words, but did you actually understand the meaning? But that's also a really fanficy thing, isn't it? You know, the I'm not like other girls because I read books thing. But all, she always reads, they always read the same thing. It's always Austen, it's always the Brontes, it's always the classics. No one ever fucking reads Dracula. Yeah, but you also never have a moment of like, I'm not like all the other girls because I read like Clive Barker's Hellraiser or something. That would be interesting. I think if Stephanie Meyer wasn't a Mormon, she would be like the next Clive Barker. I think she has a really interesting eye for body horror. But she's also too icky to understand that. Yeah, it's very, you know, she wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts kind of thing. It's like, yeah, a lot of people wear t-shirts. What's special about wearing t-shirts? I hope you're wearing something to cover up your thing. There's a lot of places where being topless is a crime. I'm not like other girls. I find other human beings insufferable. I don't like to hang out with women. They cause too much drama. Because, you know, Edward and Jacob are nothing but not drama. I'm not like other girls. I want I want to dedicate my entire life to fucking cold corpse. 
series that consistently screws over our characters, is there one that gets more callously screwed over than Lee? Charlie, sometimes? Yeah, but then Charlie ends up high-fiving Jacob when he forces himself on on Bella, so... Uh, how about uh, Renee? Yeah, that's a big one. In the original draft, she was married to a guy who was possibly a bit of a pervert on her daughter, and that's why she left. Yeah. But yeah, Leah is, defi- Leah is definitely one of the most screwed over and underutilized characters in the series. Like, especially so. You've got your first female werewolf, and all she is there is to be a bitch and to uh, really upset the rest of the, the of the group of werewolves. Like, seriously, her presence is just there causing animosity because she's having to be following the alpha of the pack, who is her ex, who imprinted on her cousin and thus abandoned her. And she's the one that's positioned as the bitch for that. She's just sitting there, you know, grumbling to herself, not doing too much. And then, nope, she's the monstrous bitch for making them remember that that actually happened. God, the series hates women. But the particular way it hates its most prominent women of colour. It's hard to overlook the implications of that. Particularly, we then find out, because once again, everything comes down to fertility and motherhood and heteronormativity. In the fourth book, we find out that basically becoming a werewolf has made her sterile. Something that isn't a problem for any of the guys. They can spread their seed freely, but she can't get pregnant. And of course, this is a thing that... You know, I imagine it is something that would dawn on you or it would dwell on you at that age. Like, understanding the implications of that and a choice that's been taken away from you at an age when you're not really thinking about that kind of thing. But it's also in a world where everyone just constantly talks about marriage and sex and babies and happy ever after and being a couple and not being their own person. You're always going to be a wife or a mother, so it's always just this interminable barrage of this. And it's exhausting, and then coupled with poor... Like, this this is supposed to be the thing that makes Lee sympathetic, not, you know... My life has been entirely screwed over by things that I can't control and everyone thinks I'm a bitch for it. Like, that's pretty interesting and sympathetic on its own. But no, then you have to throw in babies. Babies. And I mean, some babies are really cute, but this is not the time. You know, there's sometimes there's more, there's more than just cute babies, no matter how cute they are on Instagram. Oh god, you know Alice is putting Renee's May all over Instagram. Or she totally would if she could. I just want to say it again, fuck this book. Fuck this book. The movie tries, but even it knows how bad the whole thing is. Yeah, the movie is so much more interested in all the stuff that Stephanie Meyer has no interest in writing, which is the preferable option. And the movies really do show the weakness of that first-person narration that Twilight has chosen, because the movies show stuff that is going on rather than stuff that is being relayed to Bella afterwards. We actually get to see what the Cullens are doing, Thus, they have a chance to become real people. We get to see them in their coordinating combat outfits. You know, it's more than just, oh, by the way, Bella, this happened. Plus, the movie doesn't show all the Quileutes bowing down in the, bowing down in worship to the beautiful white lady who shows up. So, you know, points on that. Yes, that is actually in the book. We're really reaching now, aren't we? We're just so desperate to find something... <laughs> Speaking of the Quileutes, we readily acknowledge that we are two white non-Americans and that when it comes to uh, issues of representation in the Twilight series of uh, Native American characters, this is something you definitely want to hear some own voices for. 
obviously one of the older one of the more traditional reads has been what Debbie Reese was doing them doing reads of Twilight and things like that back when Twilight was big there's been plenty of other things the Quileute tribes have their own websites it seems quite sad the questions they've been asked if based on their frequently asked question page some of the questions they have chosen to answer quite people going to fuck up everything oh yeah no seriously fuck white people yeah <laughs> I don't even know so seriously visit the Quileute Nation's websites they've got some interesting good reads way to educate yourself beyond what you've seen on in the film or read in the books which again Stephanie Meyer allergic to research and consideration of things did anyone from the Quileute tribe actually like I don't know meet with Stephanie Meyer like has she ever actually sat down and had a conversation with them I do not know. I mean, as we all know, she didn't visit Forks prior to... Uh... No, she just Googled that. I know that. Yeah, she Googled Rainiest Place in America and up it came. Honestly, a quick Google doesn't provide much information, but uh, one of the Stephanie Meyer answers to the question conclude lines like, my personal fascination with Native American history. Oh, no. Yeah. I discovered the existence of La Push and started reading about the Quileute's unique history and culture. If I hadn't always been in, very intrigued in Native American with Native American history, though, I don't know if the proximity of La Push would have resulted in Jacob's creation. I discovered the existence of La Push. Yeah, Columbusing. Why is she like this? Why is she doing this to us? White people! I mean, I think Mormons are, like, the whitest of the white people. I don't want to get into, like, insulting anyone's religion or anything, but if you know the history of uh, the Mormon church's uh, attitudes toward black people. But remember, it is canon that once you become a vampire, your skin basically becomes sparkly white. Like, descriptions of Mexican characters in this? Yeah, her features were plainly Mexican, but she was super white. Thank God the movies decided to go fuck that. Because... Jesus Christ, this book is bad. <sighs> just layers upon layers of awful. It's the Mephi of bad. There's just layers and layers and layers of it. Sorry, I'm also just mad because the New York Times finally did some reviews of romance novels and they gave it to a fucking dude who clearly hates the genre. Oh, wow, fuck this. Fuck this. Fuck this. Uh, this line in... E.L. James has been derided for her less than sterling prose, but mostly by readers who I doubt are familiar with the standard romance literature. E.L. James is no better or worse a writer than most of her compeers. You fucking liar! No, seriously, the New York Times finally acknowledges romance novels and just gives it to this guy who's a fucking arsehole. Oh, here we go. Uh, on Truth vs. Twilight at BerkMuseum.org, which is part of the University of Washington. It goes, Quileutes have relationships like most Americans. How depressing is that? Yeah. I'm just depressed all over now. This this is what this book has done. Fact. Quileute people do not turn into wolves. They actually have to have that. On is there anything else we need to cover or are we just like sinking further and further into our own misery here? I think we're Victoria. Oh god. I mean, you want to know how much this series cares about Victoria? They replaced the actress. And just expected no one to care. And the, sad, the thing is, 
Bryce Dallas Howard is just so bleh in this movie. Like, Rachel Lefebvre, Lefebvre, the chick from Big Wolf on Campus, uh, she, I saw her as Victoria. She had her own little, you know, movement and style and everything, whereas this is just Bryce Dallas Howard playing someone playing meek. You know, that's the most I got out of it. It's just more like, oh, no, my boyfriend's dead. I'm going to manipulate this other guy. Look at me and my little girl voice. Whereas original Victoria was at least somewhat. Random fact, Victoria is Stephanie Meyer's mother-in-law name. <laughs> just, it's so depressing. <laughs> yep. Emily is her sister's name. I just felt really sorry for Rochelle Lefebvre, who's a very fine actress, you know. But the idea, like, you are just so disposable. In the freaking Twilight movie, too. It's just a case of, look, you got cast while the movie was small, but let's see if we can suck up to somebody by casting Bryce Dallas Howard. It, there was a big load of drama as well about the actor, about her being replaced. Yeah, like, people cared <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, they, they, they came up with some excuse that she was going to not be available for shooting, and she's like, yeah, I was going to be out for 10 days that didn't really do much, so that weren't even, you know, causing any problems, so... And then Bryce Ellis Howard just proceeded to phone it in. In fairness, a lot of people in this movie are phoning it in. <laughs> but um, original Victoria at least made a damn effort. True, but like, by this point in time in the movie, I think David Slade was just like, fuck it, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> I, I was above this job, but I still took it. And this... She's just reduced to the woman scorned, manipulating men with her beauty because she's so pretty and so... She needs a man to protect her, but she's also a total bitch. And this whole woman without her man is nothing. It's almost embarrassing how much the... how much this series hammers that point home. You're not worth anything without... Particularly if you're a woman, you're not worth anything without a man in your life. Who you have to spend eternity with. Yeah, man needs a woman and a woman needs a man. And anyone who deviates from that is someone to be actively scorned, as is the case with Lee. And it's not like she was even trying to do that. It's just her boyfriend took a look at somebody else. Oh my god, it's that meme. With the two ladies and the dude. And he's looking at... That's basically it, isn't it? There is just such a an insidious hate of women who aren't Bella in this book. Do you think she... Like, this is one of the things that really fascinates me about Stephanie Meyer trying to insist that she's now this... like Not even that she's now a feminist, but that she was always a feminist. You know what? I don't want to judge how she identifies on that front. The more feminist, the better. But that requires a level of self-reflection that, that is completely absent in these books. If a female character doesn't serve to worship Bella... She is the enemy. And not just an enemy, but someone to be actively despised and judged. See Rosalie, see Leah, see the other girls at school. Lauren. Is Lauren the one that had the petty haircut thing happen to her that Stephanie Meyer explained on her website? I can't remember. <laughs> yep, here we go. From New Moon. So Lauren is one of the humans that Bella is disdainful towards and there is a question on the frequently asked questions for new moon i know we're talking about eclipse 
but I think this is quite indicative of the whole thing. There was a bit where she shows up with a really weird haircut and what was it? She comes back from summer break with her hair cropped short like a boy. And Bella's like, uh, when Bella sees her hair in the style, she wonders if she got gum stuck in it, if she sold it, or if all the people she had been nasty to had come after her and shaved her hair off. Now, here's the bit from the frequently asked questions. What happened to Lauren's hair? (laughs) I had fun imagining this one. I only wish that it had fit into the book somewhere. Lauren fell victim to the model discovered in the mall scam. An alleged modelling agent approached Lauren in a mall in Victoria, British Columbia, and told her she was a natural model. Lauren ate it up. The agent told her that if she did something edgy with her hair and took some high-quality headshots, her future was assured. Lauren followed the instructions, dropping 15 grand on the pictures taken by the agent's partner, and waited for her career to begin. She's still waiting. Snort. Note, I did not add the snort. That's the end of the paragraph. Do you think Stephanie Meyer is aware that that scam is often not so much about getting money from a victim, but about sexual assault? I don't think she's aware of anything. I think she's just... Do you think she, I, don't think she, I don't think she understands how spiteful she is. Like that, That's super spiteful towards someone that she created. Although, do you remember years and years ago, there was that whole big drama where uh, I think it was something about one of her there was a leak for uh, I think it was Eclipse uh, One of, anyway one of the books there was a bit of a leak where some of it got out this was this came up around the time of Midnight Sun when that was ruined by a leak and she was like I'm not going to write anymore there was a, a leak of Eclipse and it was I'm pretty sure it was Eclipse or something like that. Anyway, uh, and Stephanie Meyer had given copies of like books to like her goddaughter or something, or you know, a young woman, a teenage girl that Stephanie Meyer knew. And of course, this girl was like, she showed it to her friends because what do you do when you've got an early copy or an early draft of the book, you know? <laughs> and Stephanie Meyer did the whole. I'm not going to write anymore and it's all your fault thing to a teenager. See, I, this is one of the things that made me really curious when there was a point a couple years ago when she'd done an interview. I think she was talking about a film that she'd produced. She mentioned being kind of over Twilight and I'm wondering if she had that moment of realisation of what, of the impact of the series and maybe the impact it had on her. But then she did that Twilight Life and Dev gender swap thing where she just seemed like, I have learned literally nothing. So yeah, I am just... I mean, I think we're all end up being inevitably just really fascinated by Stephanie Meyer. You can't help but be because she's just had such an impact on the culture in a way that would otherwise be unexpected for a you know a Mormon housewife who basically has no interest in pop culture outside of her own tiny circle. Yeah, but I will say I don't miss her impact on pop culture. Like, it's not that I like El James or anything, but man, I don't miss having to deal with like Stephanie Meyer at all. I just, I, particularly with this book, I found this book so joyless. Yeah, this is a terrible book about terrible people. When I first read Twilight and New Moon, Eclipse hadn't yet come out. I inhaled both Twilight and New Moon, and I waited for the next one to come out. I read Eclipse, went, what the fuck? And never 
you know, touched about again and started drawing the hate dumb. I haven't actually read Breaking Dawn, but I've read enough of the internet to know what goes on in Breaking Dawn. <laughs> but yeah, even then, I recognised there was this book was not good. And now looking back at it with a more experienced, more critical eye, someone more aware of the mistreatment of female characters, the real ickiness surrounding so much of the book, and just the terrible, terrible nature of the characters. Even the ones that weren't so in previous books. It's... Yeah. This is just a mean book. There's there's an undercurrent of fuck these characters. Fuck the way that they were when they first... Uh, yeah, fuck these characters and the way they were in the first book or the second book or the way that their character development was going. Fuck causing any harm to Bella and Edward. Fuck character growth, character interest, conflict. Fuck research. Fuck having good ideas. Everything is all about, all in service to the ego that is Bella and Edward and their true love. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this big being callous, but it's also just pure ego. And it's hard to deal with. I mean, the other books were very id like the the first book was just id this is ego this is all feeding about how amazing the characters are and all the entire world has been twisted and warped so dramatically not that they weren't being warped slightly in the first and second books but they're being warped so dramatically in service to the the greatest love story of all time <laughs> That is Bella and Edward. Characters, natures have been twisted. Rules of the world. What are those? Great characters and ideas that could be fleshed out. Do they impact Bella and Edward? No? Okay. Never mind then. It's all in service to Bella and Edward and the ego that is them. Fuck this book. We could just record fuck this book 20 times and just release that as the episode. I don't think anyone would judge us. No. Okay. Uh, is there anything else we can really say? Other than just repeating fuck this book? No, I feel like we've kind of run the gamut on this one. The thing is, there's like even a lot. There's not even a lot to say. I'm stunned that we even got it, th- this amount out of it just because it's such a dull and un- uninteresting book. With such a v- an undercurrent of negativity to it. This is not even a case of we are hating it and we are ripping it to shreds. This is just... Like, if this were another book, we could really tear into the whole nice guy, manipulative, emotional abuse that is Jacob throughout this book. Yeah, we barely touched that because, honestly, it's it's just such a mess. And I I don't think we even did it justice, what happens in that book. It's awful, but it's also written by someone who clearly doesn't care. 2000. Uh, 2007. As much as we think about how terrible Twilight and New Moon were, Eclipse very much starts the that worst bits of YA that we saw. The, that emotionally and physically manipulative and abusive love interest that we saw in the paranormal romance novels that followed Twilight, followed Eclipse. Like, 
there was already the controlling aspects, or at least the the the, the odd and uncomfortable power dynamics in Twilight, and the the rush to suicide, and the complete impact and the gaslighting on Bella in New Moon. But this this has a guy who breaks a vehicle so that a woman can't leave her house to go visit another man. This is a man who threatens suicide when he doesn't get his get his way romantically. This is the forerunner for books like Hush Hush. Not Twilight, not even New Moon. This is the one. I think this is the book where you see the most of Fifty Shades of Grey, to be honest, whether or not E.L. James intended it. That is very true as well. This tr- this book, Eclipse, is appropriately named. It's just this darkness in that young adult time period that started off everything. Like, if you think about especially people like, especially characters like Patch in Hush Hush, that, that is, it's, they're built off this Edward, this Jacob, not the, the Jacob or, the, or Edward or whoever of Twilight, not even the Romeo and Juliet of idiocy that was New Moon. This is the, this is it. And that's probably why I just hate it so much. These are terrible people and I've seen these characters replicated in young adult fiction following. This was, you know, Eclipse, this was Twilight at its most massive up until Breaking Dawn. And when those books that followed Breaking Dawn were published, that was probably when this was written. Thus, this would have been the book you were looking at. If you look at the success and you read this book, you would see girls love control. Girls love being manipulated. Girls love men that are constantly whipping their dicks out and measuring them. The whole tense sequence is just one giant dick measuring contest. It's never about woman's autonomy or her own desires or her own decisions. It's about the men who control her. And women who dare control anything else or try and control anything else, who dare try and control men or defy men, they're bitches. They deserve to be punished. Leah doesn't step aside when her boyfriend stares at another woman and decides to leave her for her cousin. Emily didn't appreciate the imprinting, though she now accepts it. What happened in between? Sam tore up her face and then threatened suicide. I wonder where Jacob got that from. We've got Victoria, who manipulates a man to do her bidding. Well, really, that's it, isn't it? There's not many women characters of any interest. Except for the happily married ones. And even then, Rosalie, she defies the rule of the, of the, of the universe, that is, Bella first. She disagrees with that order. She thinks Bella is wrong. No, seriously, fuck this book. I really don't have anything else to say. Fuck this book. I don't even think this book deserved our fun anger. Just in terms of, like, pop culture that has had an immense, undeniable impact on the world. I don't think this is the worst thing that's happened to pop culture. Like, it doesn't even deserve that. But wow, the, the, the footprint that this has left, the shadow that it still casts over pop culture today and the genre of you know YA fiction and of romance and of the paranormal is uh, it, it shouldn't be dismissed because as we've just discussed in this episode everything that happens in this book is just vile 
but it's still sold and packaged as romantic and dreamlike and the ultimate ideal. And if we don't interrogate what that means, yeah. we're just going to be fucking stuck with it forever. It's been 10 years last month since Eclipse was published. 10 years. It's been, what, 12 years since Twilight was published. They are still, despite all that time period and the fact that Stephanie Meyer has long since given up on those books, long since moved on to something else, they are still being referred to as reference points for people outside the, the YA book community. Think about it. People who are pitching ideas or complaining about things saying, hey, it's not Twilight. It's a good book, unlike Twilight. It's about vampires, but it's not like Twilight. Or how many times have you seen people still degrade YA fiction by just referring to it as vampire books? Vampire books haven't really been published in YA since forever. Since that urban fantasy paranormal romance post-Twilight boom, we've seen dystopian fiction up the wazoo. We've seen John Green-styled uh, contemporary fiction. We've seen high fantasy. People who are pitching uh, modern urban fantasy and paranormal romance in YA are just calling it contemporary fantasy now. Because PNR and UF have been so associated with that last boom, they don't want to be associated with it. That's the shadow that's being cast over YA. Yes, Twilight definitely helped separate YA into its own category, made it huge, found it a massive audience. But now, look at it. How many times do you think it gets mocked as being, oh, look, more Twilight? Twilight is old. Twilight is over. Twilight is dead. And yet, people keep digging up the corpse because they insist it's alive. Because they <laughs> didn't see the death. They didn't see the burial. Because they don't know a damn thing about young adult fiction. Or vampires. But then again, this book doesn't know anything about vampires either. Yeah! Like, in the movie, when they had their fight sequences and the shattering of the thing, I'm like, yeah, I can totally dig this. Vampires? Maybe not. But the, the idea of the creatures made of stone and shattering... Honestly, I spent a good chunk of the movie going, that's a lot of sunlight. Why isn't he sparkling? He must have his concealer on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Look at the amount of makeup that they're wearing. No wonder they don't sparkle. It's like that, what was that show, uh, that UK show from a couple of years back about the gay zombies who came back into society and they were all given cover up. And the men were just so terrible at putting on their makeup. You could see the streaks and all the male, male characters were all covered in streaks and that was not blended properly. And the women were like, yep, we've, we've got this. We, we, they were all perfectly fine and putting on their cover up. Like little old ladies, little old lady zombies, perfectly covered up. Young lady zombies, perfectly covered up. Men, hi, here are some streaks. <laughs> I just rubbed it on. That works, right? I think we're done, because otherwise we're just going to get more and more miserable. <laughs> Fuck this book. Fuck this book! And on that note, we'll wrap up this month's episode before we just sink further and further into depression over this awful, awful book. Uh, next month, we're going to pick up things at a slightly peppier pace. We're going to do Robert Rodriguez's From Dusk Till Dawn, a.k.a. Quentin Tarantino's Ed. Let us show you it. So 
much tits. Vampire strippers, woo! But frankly, I'll take that over Eclipse right now. Thank the vampire gods that this is over. I'm sure you're just as grateful as we are that this is over until next year when we get to fly into the holy shit, what the fuck, that is Breaking Dawn. <laughs> until next time, you can find us on our website, bloodsuckingfeminist.com. We're always on Twitter, bloodsuckingfem. Uh, we don't have the new mass amount of characters. Alas. <laughs> we'll just post gifts of vampires instead. You can be reached by email at fangmail at bloodsuckingfeminist.com. We also have a Facebook page, and both of us are all floating around Twitter as well. So feel free to hit us up that way. Until then, fuck this book. <laughs> <laughs>